Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Welcome to Nurses Out Loud. I am your host, Nurse April, and I'm back. I was off for a couple of weeks working on a website for the Nurses Out Loud show, and my lovely co-hosts, Michelle and Jody, filled in for me, which I'm so grateful for. Um, but I am back today. It's Monday, and I wanted to talk to you guys about something that I've been do- doing a little research on, which is this whole lab-grown meat phenomenon. I'm concerned. A lot of you guys know that I have been paying a lot closer attention to the food that I consume because this whole COVID situation just opened my eyes to the fact that the Food and Drug Administration has not been doing the job that I thought it was supposed to do, which is protect me and my family and my friends and all of us from possible toxins that are in our food that could cause illness or possible toxins and drugs, or possible drug combinations that could hurt us or harm us. Well, I thought they were doing that. So for all of my life, I've just been walking around with blindfolds on thinking they've got it covered. Those people out there who are way smarter than I am have got me covered. Well, COVID happened and my eyes were opened, wide, wide opened. I was red-pilled and now I'm like, I'm suspicious of everything. So when I heard that they were going to be doing this whole lab-grown meat and that the FDA had approved the sale of the sale of lab-grown meat in restaurants, I was like, "Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Wait a minute. What exactly is that?" And I've talked about this in a previous episode, but I'm going to talk about it some more today because I learned some more. And I'll include link Uh, in the show notes so you can do some more digging and research with me and we can either verify or debunk some of these things that I'm going to talk about or or we're going to say yeah it's true this is what they're doing and we're going to spread the word far and wide so that other people don't accidentally consume something that could later on lead to their demise so again this is Nurses Out Loud I am your Monday host Nurse April and our show airs Monday through Friday 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with an encore at 11 p.m. And then all of our shows go to podcast usually about a day, maybe two days after they air. You can listen to our podcast on any of your favorite podcasting apps. And you can listen to our show if you go to americaoutloud.com. And then there's like a live player where you can go and click and listen, which you probably already know, which is how you're listening to the show. So anyway, go to America Out Loud and and there's a lot of articles on there and there's tons of other shows and other hosts to keep you up to date on what's going on and what's happening. One of the really cool things about America Out Loud is that they do not censor any of us. They let us say whatever we want to say. So you don't have to worry about the things that we're saying being censored 
or bought and paid for by some big company or conglomerate. We are just free to say what we want to say, and we're not getting paid to say what we're saying. So that's my you know little intro for you. So remember, oh, there's also this really cool feature now on the website. You can go and shop. So you go to americaoutloud.shop and you can find uh, coupons on there for any of the show sponsors or any other um, negotiated discounts that they have for different companies like the wellness company or one of our new um, sponsors is ASEA. ASEA is a really, really cool company and we'll talk about them more over the coming weeks and months, but they have this really awesome line of products that um, you can now get a discount for. And I would suggest that you go to the website to find out more and check it out. But anyway, let me get back to the show topic, which is about this lab-grown meat scam. And that's what I'm going to call it. It's my opinion. So everyone's really concerned about climate change and the effects that these animals are having on the climate. And also there's a lot of people who have a very soft heart and they don't like the idea of us slaughtering animals and consuming these animals for food. And so they're looking at alternative ways for us to nourish our bodies. And so I remember when the Impossible Burgers came out and and, um, Beyond Meat, I used to eat that stuff. And I remember my sister-in-law who is super, super smart when it comes to all this stuff. And she's paid attention to all this. She used to tell me, don't eat that. It's full of chemicals. It's not good for you. And I'm like, but it tastes so good and it's not meat. And so I thought I was doing something good for my body by trying to be vegetarian or vegan or whatever, you know, at the time, which I will say, unless you are able to really grow like well i'm not going to say grow but if you unless you can really make your own food and or you're paying really really close attention to the ingredient labels you may think that you're eating healthier and that you're doing better for your body until you actually read the ingredients and you realize wait a minute it's full of artificial things they're not telling me everything that's in this food and it's causing me just as much if not more harm than if I were to just eat normal food that was made in the earth by God. So I honestly tried. I tried being vegetarian for a while, did not lose weight. I couldn't understand why. Well, there's so many sugars, hidden sugars and seed oils, which cause inflammation and gums and, and fillers and all these things that are not good for your body. So, The whole lab-grown like meat situation came about and I started digging in and found out about how they're actually making this meat, air quotes here. I mean, it's cells that they get from the animals, whether it's chickens or cows, they get cells and they proliferate these cells. They put it in a growth medium and they grow them in these steel vats. And there's stages to this growth process, right? So let me just kind of go over a little bit of what, now I went to, I went to ChatGPT to ask this question because it's very efficient. I don't trust everything that comes out of ChatGPT. It's very um, woke, this, this, um, <laughs> this search engine tool but it helps to summarize a lot of the information that's out there from the woke side of the internet 
um, about what's going on. So I'm going to read to you what ChatGPT says is lab-grown meat, but then I'm going to tell you what um, the actual, not the, the computers, but what the actual humans who are doing their research, who are able to get past all of these um, these walls that they've been putting up, these censorship walls that they've been putting up, they get around those and they do the real research and find out the truth of what's happening. So let me just tell you what ChatGPT told me about lab-grown meat. Okay, so I asked the question, how is lab-grown meat made? And the answer was, lab-grown meat, also known as cultured or cell-based meat, is produced through a scientific process that involves growing animal cells in a controlled environment. The goal is to replicate the taste, texture, and nutritional composition of traditional meat without the need to raise and slaughter animals. Here's a general overview of how lab-grown meat is made. One, cell isolation. So this is the first step. A small sample of animal cells, usually muscle cells or stem cells, is collected from a living animal through a biopsy or other non-harmful methods. These cells serve as the initial building blocks for the cultured meat. Step two, cell culture. The collected cells are placed in a nutrient-rich solution, often referred to as a growth medium, that provides the cells with the necessary nutrients, minerals, and hormones required for the growth and replication. This medium is carefully formulated to mimic the conditions found within the animal's body. Step three, cell proliferation. The cells start to multiply and form tissue-like structures in the culture medium. This process can be accelerated through the use of growth factors and various bioreactor technologies, which provide the cells with the right conditions for efficient growth. Step four, tissue formation. As the cells continue to divide and grow, they start forming layers of tissue similar to the structure of muscle tissue in animals. These layers are encouraged to fuse together to create a more cohesive and three-dimensional structure resembling the texture of traditional meat. Step five, bioreactor scaling. Bioreactors are specialized vessels that provide a controlled environment for cell growth. As the cultured meat mass increases, it needs to be transferred to large bioreactors to ensure that all cells receive adequate nutrients, oxygen, and waste removal. Step six, maturation. The cultured meat is allowed to mature and develop further. During this stage, the cells continue to differentiate and develop the characteristics of muscle tissue, including its flavor, texture, and nutritional composition. Step seven, harvesting. Once the cultured meat has reached the desired level of maturity, it's harvested from the bioreactor. The tissue may undergo additional processing to improve its texture and flavor, such as stretching exercises or electrical stimulation to enhance its similarity to conventional meat. Step eight, final product. The harvested tissue is then processed into various meat products, such as burgers, sausages, or chicken nuggets. These products can be combined with other ingredients, such as fats, binders, and flavorings, to create a finished product that closely resembles traditional meat. It's important to note that producing lab-grown meat is a complex and evolving field of research and development. While significant progress has been made, challenges related to scalability, 
cost reduction, regulatory approval, and consumer acceptance still need to be addressed for lab-grown meat to become a widely available and sustainable alternative to conventional meat production. That is your canned answer. That's the answer that you're going to get if you were to do a Google search. Um, what's interesting are all of the steps that it takes to create this lab-grown meat product. And what I've been telling people really quickly, because we all have this very short attention span and most people don't seem that interested in really digging in and doing their own research. But what I tell people, in order to protect yourself right now, because we don't know what restaurants and um, what places this meat is being sold to us in, at this stage, I would say, stay away from anything that doesn't have a bone in it. They can't replicate or they're not trying to replicate that yet. So if it's like a chicken nugget or a hot dog or a hamburger or some kind of, you know, chicken tender or ground up meat product where it can be molded and then fried into something that mimics or looks like meat, eh, I would be wary. I personally am like, you know what? I am... <laughs> I'm not, I'm not playing this game with them. I'm not doing it. I'm not eating it. I'm not about to be the guinea pig to figure out whether or not this is generally recognized as safe, which is what the FDA likes to say. Oh, we don't test these things or we don't require testing of these things because it's uh, generally recognized as safe. And if we find out later, or if the company decides to do their own testing to see if it's going to be a problem, then we will come back and we will adjust our stance, but at this point, the FDA does that with a lot of different things too. They they don't actually study to see if this stuff is safe for us. They don't even follow up. They leave that in the hands of the companies selling it to us, which truly seems like a conflict of interest. Like that's not gonna happen. Do we really believe that these big companies are gonna take the time to do research to find out if their products are causing harm, if that same product is bringing in so much money for them? absolutely ridiculous but okay so let's go back a little bit on what what it said so there's cell isolation that's the first step so they take a small sample of animal cells well what what I learned in the research is that this this these animal cells that they're using and if you think about it cells have in a normal cell has a programmed lifespan so it will replicate only so many times before it finally self-destructs. That isn't really helpful in a situation where you're trying to mass produce cellular mm, meat products, right? So what I learned about when we were doing the whole COVID thing and the whole vaccine thing, this was the first time I'd ever, well, it's not the first time actually, I take that back. When I was in nursing school, I had a professor, a chemistry professor, who um, first introduced to us the idea that there were cells that could continue to live long after a person had died. And it was actually pretty fascinating because this particular professor that I had, he was an awesome professor. Um, this is just a side note, but I didn't do that great in chemistry when I was in high school. And I didn't like my chemistry professor, I mean, my chemistry teacher, they, she wasn't very good and she didn't make it interesting. But when I got to college and decided I wanted to do nursing and I had to take 
organic chemistry and um, all these different chemistry classes, I signed up to take him with his professor Saeed and he was amazing. He made science so much fun and so interesting. And in one lecture, he had talked about how um, that cells could go on living long after a person had died. And he referred to that because he did a lot of cancer research in his lab. And he said that they had cells that they used in their research from a woman who had died long ago, but her cells were still reproducing. And labs all over the world used her cells. Well, fast forward um, almost 20 years later, I learned about the uh, immortal life of Henrietta Lack. I don't know if, you, if you've ever heard about her, but her cells from her, she had cancer. And they took those cells, it was a very aggressive form of cancer. And they were able to get a sample of those cells from her tumor. And they've been using her cells ever since. And she died a long time ago. But they've been using her cells. It's called an immortal cell line. Because it keeps on growing and producing and producing and reproducing. It doesn't stop. That's, what, that's the problem with cancer. It doesn't have that off button. And so her cells, even though she died a long time ago, her cells have continued to reproduce. And they use it in scientific labs all over the place. And just another side note, if you hadn't heard, just recently, because her family never got paid for the use of her cells. They, they weren't even asked permission. I mean, it's a really sad story. But just recently, I'd say within the last month, I think it was last month, um, they finally reached a settlement with her family for an undisclosed amount. So they are finally reimbursing them for using her cells all of these years. And so much has been learned from this gift that was taken from, from her and from her family. But these cells continue to go and they proliferate like mad. Like one of the doctors I work with was mentioning that they're called HeLa cells, HeLa, H-E-L-A, so Henrietta Lack. Um, so these, this HeLa cell line is so aggressive that there are times when they were doing research and they were like, don't use those cells because they will take over and they will overgrow all the other cells. So what does that sound like? That sounds like a great idea if what you're trying to do is mass produce tissue-like products. And so one of the things that I came across in my research is that they're using immortal cell lines to grow this meat because a normal cell line wouldn't grow fast enough. It would not produce enough cells to give you this product, especially not on a mass you know, level, which is what you would need to make this profitable. So they'll try to say, oh, they're not using it. And, and, the way, and I actually asked the question to ChatGPT. I said, are lab-grown meat companies using immortal cells? And the answer is, lab-grown meat companies typically aim to use cells, typically aim to use cells that have a high capacity for replication and growth. But they don't necessarily use immortal cells. Immortal cells are cells that can div divide indefinitely and bypass the natural process of senescence, which is cellular aging. While some lab-grown meat research might involve the use of immortal cell lines for initial experiments and proof of concept, 
Most commercial efforts focus on primary animal cells or stem cells that have been isolated from the animals of interest. It went on to say the goal is to use cells that can replicate and differentiate into muscle tissue similar to the way cells behave in a living animal's body. Immortal cell lines might not perfectly replicate the characteristics of real animal tissue, so many lab-grown meat companies prioritize working with primary cells or stem cells to ensure the resulting cultured meat closely resembles traditional meat in terms of flavor, texture, and, and nutritional composition. While some early experiments and research might have utilized immortal cell lines, the industry has been moving towards using primary cells and stem cells for a more authentic replication of meat tissue. The use of primary cells also addresses concerns about safety, potential health effects, and regulatory approval associated with the use of immortal cell lines. So there you go. It is not a definitive no. It is that they are trying to move away from using immortal cell lines, which is cancer cells. Somebody in this whole process of trying to develop lab-grown meat has been tasting these cells, has been eating cancer. Is that crazy or what? They have actually been testing this, and I, I don't know who they're testing it on, if it's the scientists who are in there working in the lab, or if, if they've got some unsuspecting volunteers. I don't know who's doing it, but somebody is eating cancer to determine whether or not it tastes like real meat. And that to me is insane. It's actually illegal for food producers to sell meat that has cancer in it. It's supposed to be destroyed if they discover that there's like chicken or beef that has cancer cells. But do they always do it? No, they don't always do it because there's a video, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to see it, that went viral. This person had cut open his chicken and it was full of cancer. It was pretty amazing. I had never seen that before, but yeah, crazy. So be very vigilant. And so I, I talked about this before, but I downloaded this app called Trash Panda. You can scan the labels of your food products. You can put type in ingredients and it'll tell you whether or not it's safe or whether or not there's any research showing that it might not be safe for consumption. It links to the research. So it's not just them saying it. It's like, this is what the science says. Read it for yourself. Do your own research, which I think is very, very cool. So Trash Panda is the app. I suggest you download it and try it out. It's free. Of course, they have like stuff you can um, like in-app purchases, but whatever. Just use the free um part just to see if you like it because it's really worth it. They are trying to make money, of course, but I think, you know, me and my conspiracy theory, you know, I'm always about that conspiracy of what is it that they're trying to do that's more nefarious. And when you're telling me that you're going to start growing cancer and then feeding it to us, I'm, I just, why would you do that? Why would somebody do that? unless they're trying to make us sick. So there's more to this whole lab grown meat story. I'm gonna tell you about it on the other side of this break. 
Stay tuned. Take a listen to uh, the commercials because the show sponsors is what helps keep us on the air. So please take a listen. And on the other side of this break, we'll talk more about how this meat is grown. It's time and this is This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced. These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. While the cancel culture destroys our history, bringing crime and terror to city streets, AmericaOutloud.news will enhance its own message of love and honor for the American traditions and constitutional values that have always been the backbone of what America means. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Welcome back. So we were talking about the whole cultivated meat sector that's come to market. And our president, Joe Biden, actually signed an executive order that is encouraging, requiring federal agencies to support cultivating alternative food sources. So there's been a lot, a lot of money invested in this market. Billions of dollars has been invested in this market so far. Three particular companies. So there's Good Meat and Upside Foods are two companies that just got approved in the U.S. For, they got $267 million and $598 million, respectively, in funding. And then um, Eat Just, which is another company, has gotten $464 million in funding. So between the three, those three companies, they have well over a billion dollars of funding. There's big food giants like Cargill and Tyson who are funding lab-grown meat. 
And so there is a lot of money getting poured into this industry because they plan on getting a, nobody would invest that kind of money unless they thought that there was going to be a huge return on investment. Now, how exactly are they so sure that they're going to get a return on that type of investment? Unless they plan on forcing the market. Kind of similar to what happened with this COVID vaccine, right? You produce the COVID vaccine, and maybe even you produce the COVID virus itself, and then you release it onto the population, and then you force the population to take your medicine. And we already see that they're working on round two of um, this whole COVID pandemic craziness, foolishness. We have colleges that are starting to introduce their mandates again, businesses, Hollywood, all of the, all these people are slowly rolling back to 2020 where they're saying, okay, 14 days, we're going to do this whole wearing masks. There's a college in Georgia who's like, okay, for 14 days, you have to wear your mask on campus. Unless you're in a room all by yourself, you have to have your mask on. You have to do social distancing, blah, blah, blah. So if people, if you fall for this again, if you fall for this, please don't be mad at anybody if something bad happens because you guys are allowing them to do this to you. I'm not playing this game, just an FYI, letting everybody know this is not a game I'm playing. I didn't play it the first time. I'm not playing it this time. I am not getting it. If I didn't, and because this is the other thing, Biden, and uh, totally off subject, I'm sorry about that, but Biden's talking about that, okay, the government has just put in another one point something billion dollars in funding to study um, on the next virus, uh, or sorry, the next vaccine that they want to bring out. So they're going to do the research on um, developing another vaccine. And then these vaccine companies are going to keep all of the funding. They're going to keep all of the uh, profit that they get, even though we, the taxpayers, are going to pay for all of the research and development. Makes a lot of sense, right? And then they're going to force us to take it, because even in his um, comment, I just heard him say it all, he wants everyone to take this vaccine that they're going to produce, including those who've already been vaccinated. So they're going to force the market. That, that whole, you know, everything that I just said was just to point to the fact that our government will force this success so that they can get all their money back and then some. And so for me, you know, I'm always looking at different signs and different things that are happening all over and trying to piece things together. Here's where I piece things together on how this will be successful for them. I'm sure you guys have noticed that the world is on fire right now. Every time I turn around, someone else is trying to put out these fires that they're all going to blame on global warming. Everyone's saying, oh, it's climate change. That's why we're having all these fires. It's so hot. Okay, well, if you're not aware, Greece has been fighting fires for the last four days. But in Greece, they actually found 79 people so far who have been charged with arson, who have been caught setting fires. We, those of us who don't trust mainstream media and get our news sources from alternative sources, we already knew that these fires had been set intentionally. 
those in Canada, those in Hawaii, those in France, those in Greece now, we know that this is all intentional. But this is the first time that they've actually caught the arsonists. So that'll be really interesting to see how that plays out because they also were getting the narrative on the news that it's all because of climate change. Well, no, it's not all because of climate change. But if you think about it, if they're able to burn down so much land and burn down, you know, the farms and we lose the ability for farmers to be able to feed the cows and to feed the chickens then we don't have meat. We don't have food. So then we, we will be forced to eat the food that is produced in these labs or in these, these um, food farms that are being run by the likes of Bill Gates. And so, you know, for me, it's kind of pointing in that direction of, okay, for years, They've been silently purchasing up all of the farmland in America and in other countries. Other countries, they're trying to shut down the farms and they're trying to put these farmers out of business so that the, the only ones who are able to successfully run these farms are the big companies who are really run by, to me, those are the people who are part of the deep state. And they have an agenda and that agenda is nefarious. If it wasn't, then they wouldn't be putting poisons in our food as we speak. And as soon as we find out that there's a new toxin in our food that we need to not be consuming, they change it up, they change the name. So it's like we're constantly trying to chase after and figure out what it is that they're doing to us, what it is that they're feeding us. Same with the medications. I was listening to one of the other episodes last week um, on America Out Loud, and the doctor was mentioning how you never want to put something on your skin that you would not consume because it gets absorbed into your body and into your bloodstream. So then I was like, oh my gosh, duh. I hadn't thought of that, but of course not, right? It does. We know that it is absorbs that way. That's why some of the medications that we give Actually, we give topically because we know that it will absorb into the skin and into the bloodstream. Similar, like for instance, um, testosterone. Some women take and they will put um, a patch somewhere on their body that releases um, testosterone into their body through a patch or some of these pain patches. You know, there's different medications that we give topically through the skin. So start looking at the labels of your lotions and your soaps. And I did that and I was just like, okay, I wouldn't eat these things, but yet I'm putting them on my skin and on my body. And, I, and we wonder why all of these cancers are proliferating all throughout society. Why do so many people have cancers? It's not, I think for a lot of people, it's not even so much like, you know, I hope I never get cancer. I think a lot of people are kind of resigned to the, the, the fact that they probably will get cancer at some point. And that's not normal. This didn't used to be this way. And now I'm just like, how is it? How is it that there's so much cancer and there's so many young people who are fighting cancer diagnosis? And all I could think of is in the environment. And I wanted to even talk a little bit about um, the forever chemicals 
because that's another thing that people aren't aware of. But there are these uh, forever chemicals being released in our water. Over 200 plus million Americans are drinking water contaminated with these forever chemicals. And that, I mean, these chemicals never leave our body. And one of the ways that they're getting into our water system is because originally when we had the pipes made out of lead throughout our country, like all of these pipes laid underground were made out of lead. And that was before they found out that, oh, this isn't good for us. Well, millions and millions of miles worth of lead pipes are in the ground and our water is passing through it. And so one of the solutions, there was a scientist who came up with this, well, who accidentally stumbled across this um, chemical reaction that caused, well, basically it's Teflon. So he figured out a way to make Teflon, which nothing really sticks to. And they came up with the idea of lining the pipes with Teflon, right? So they, came up with this way of lining all these lead pipes with Teflon, thinking that would coat the lead and protect us from it leaching into our water system. But instead, what happened is now, these pipes are, lead, are, are lined with Teflon, which is a chemical that is in our water system now that we're drinking, that we're showering with, it gets absorbed through our body, through the water that we're you know bathing in. And it's one of those forever chemicals that stays in our body. And can cause cancer. And it has leached through our soil and has gone into the waterways. And so, I mean, really, I don't know if there's any way to avoid these chemicals now. We have really, really done a number to ourselves, haven't we? Yeah, so back to this lab-grown meat. One of the other things that you remember I was saying about how it's grown in these um, culture mediums and it's fed. So these cells are actually fed with something that they call fetal bovine serum. It's derived from the blood drawn from a bovine fetus at slaughterhouses. So they actually are taking, so, okay, so you have a pregnant cow, it comes in to be slaughtered and they collect the blood from the unborn cow fetus by sticking a needle into the heart of the fetus after it's removed from their mother. And they use that blood to feed the cells in the lab. So even though they say that this is, you know, we're not, ha we don't have to hurt animals in order to produce this meat, and they're really gonna use that as a marketing ploy to convince people who don't know any better that, oh no, it's all safe, it's all good. No, no, no. They are still having to use and slaughter animals in order to get the things that they need to grow this medium, this tissue in these big silver vats in these labs. Um, what else is interesting about these, the way that they're growing this meat in these steel tanks using animal tissue and, and fetal blood is um, because they don't have an immune system, they have to be bathed in antibiotics to prevent them from getting different kind of diseases. So they'll say it's better for you, it's healthier, it's better for the environment, it's better, we don't have to kill animals. 
um, one of the arguments a lot of people have with meat is that it is pumped full of antibiotics. So one of the concerns that we have when you do that is that you create antibody, antibiotic resistant bacteria and microbes that can't be treated because they, they develop immunity to the antibiotics. They have to in order to survive. So we are seeing a lot of antibody, antibiotic resistant strains out there. Um, and it's a, it's a huge concern because there are, there's going to come a point where we're not going to be able to treat all of the infections that people are going to get because we've overused antibiotics. And people blame that a lot on the meat industry. You have these animals living in these um, big farms close to one another in very unsanitary conditions and they get sick. Also, they're, they're eating things like corn, things that they're not supposed to eat, they wouldn't normally eat, and they're getting infections. And in order for them to stay healthy and love long enough so that they can get to the slaughterhouse and then get to the market, they're constantly pumping them up with antibiotics. And just like in the traditional way that we get our meat, these lab-grown companies are doing the same thing. They're having to give this tissue antibiotics to keep it from getting infected because it doesn't have an immune system. So, I mean, it just all sounds like a very bad idea to me. I'm not exactly sure what their ultimate vision is of how things are going to be. Um, I remember this movie my dad used to quote when I was younger. And I didn't, actually, I've never watched the movie, but I've always heard, I can always remember him saying, you know, Soylent Green is people. And I was like, what is that supposed to mean? I'm a kid, you know, and he's, he would make fun of this movie that would say Soylent Green is people. And this was some, Soylent Green was something that they were feeding people because it was all the food that they had. And as it turns out, the Soylent Green, it was just like this mashed up concoction of stuff happened to, it ended up being that they were grinding people up and that's what people were eating. The Soylent Green was people. And this just reminds me of that so much because one thing that I remember during the whole vaccine, and I, when I say vaccine, you guys, please know that I'm not meaning vaccine in the, in the traditional terms of vaccine. And I know that a lot of people say, don't call it a vaccine because that's not what it is. And I promise you, that's not what I mean as it's not the traditional vaccine, but you know, that thing they call the vaccine, that thing, well, it's made using immortal fetal cell lines. Well, they tried to claim it wasn't, but then they were trying, well, no, then somebody did an undercover call and they called Pfizer and um, one of the Pfizer employees admitted that yes, they do use uh, these immortal cell lines. There's a couple of cell lines in particular that are used from aborted fetuses uh, in the production of medications, not just vaccines, but also in medications. Um, one of the questions that they, that they put on some people's questionnaires when they were trying to decline the COVID vaccine was, do you take Tylenol? I'm like, why does that matter? Well, apparently that is also, there, there are different medications that we take 
and they use some similar production methods. And I guess that's, I don't know for sure, but I think that what they were trying to insinuate is that they use these immortal cell lines to produce those as well. I don't know how. Certainly something worth investigating. Because one of the other things that they found was that this fetal tissue or these cell lines have in the DNA composition, they have found full like DNA um, and in the DNA had markers for cancer in it. So these are as a part of these vaccines that were given as babies. Um, they have found it to be contaminated with full on DNA from these uh, immortal cell lines, which which had, you know, because with DNA, it's an instruction manual, right? Instructions on how to make the cells and how to make different cells in the body. Well, how to make cancer, different types of cancer cells, um, which is just, I don't understand it fully. I don't understand it, obviously, but it doesn't sound like anything that I want injected in me. Too late, got all my childhood vaccines, got all my vaccines leading up to and till COVID started. And then I finally said no more because I don't know what they're putting in me. And and I'm seeing the effects all around me. So here's something interesting about this whole mad lab-grown meat situation that I forgot to mention. In order to make the lab-grown meat, you need some special ingredients. And so I had read to you before about the growth factors. Well, those include things like sugar, amino acids, vitamins, and trace elements that give the meat everything it needs to grow. So in order to get that, you have to extract these factors from the cheapest food available right? Because they want to make a profit on this. So they're going to find the cheapest food they can, which is what? Soy, of course. Soy is in everything. And so what they do is they extract soybean hydrosylate to provide amino acids. And they get those because if I, I think I mentioned this in a previous episode, but you know, they have these huge soybean farms all over when I went to go visit my in-laws in Mississippi, all I saw growing was soybeans and corn. Those were the only two things that I saw growing. And so we drove through Kansas and no, 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 through Arkansas and Mississippi and both in Arkansas and Mississippi, all they grow, all that I saw growing was soybeans and corn. So you have these huge monocrops that decimate the ecosystem, right? They take all the nutrients out of the soil and leave it with nothing. And they take these soybeans and then they isolate the amino acids and they use that to feed this meat, this cellular concoction in these, in these labs. What happens when you consume too much soy. One of the things that people, well, I think a lot of people know, but maybe not enough, is that soy has a tremendous amount of estrogen. One cup of soybeans has the equivalent amount of estrogen as 20,000 cups of chickpeas. 
estrogen, the hormone that females use, right? Now think about that. If you're consuming a lot of estrogen and you have cancer cells, some types of uh, breast cancers, some types of um, uterine, ovarian cancers are fed by estrogen. So that's why some women who have um, cancer markers or have a certain type of cancer will have their ovaries removed so that they don't continue to provide that estrogen because that's what's helping to fuel the growth of the cancer. But do people ever talk about or do the doctors ever tell their patients, hey, because this type of cancer that you have is fueled by estrogen, you really need to be careful about the types of foods that you're eating because anything with soy in it is giving you tons of estrogen. It's, an, it's interesting too, because if you look at men and you look at the amount, of, the, the testosterone levels are dropping in men, sperm counts are dropping in men, and then we're also seeing this proliferation of um, the you know men who think that they're women. Too much estrogen is in our food and in our environment. And so if maybe we backed off on some of the soy, which is in everything, you guys, I promise, start reading your labels. You will be shocked, but it's so cheap. And they're able to turn soy into so many different food products that through the use of chemicals, uh, they can make things taste so good, all from a soybean. Like they can make one simple soybean become so many different food products. And we eat those different food products, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we're constantly consuming more and more estrogen, more and more of these seed oils that they're also adding because it's cheap for production. And all of these things lead to inflammation in our body and cancer. And cancer, 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 cancer is a huge, huge money maker. We know that there's so much money to be made if we can just keep people sick. So what's going to happen is they're going to take this meat and they're going to have to market it to us because that was one of the issues that they had. You remember when I was reading to you, like the chat GPD answer was that we've got to convince the masses that they want to eat this stuff, right? So we have to tell them that it's an environmentally friendly alternative, cruelty free, and um, it's better than conventional meat. So now we're going to start to see this fight between conventional, the conventional meat industry and this lab-grown meat industry because lab-grown meat is not going to want to have their food labeled as lab-grown meat because I think most people at this stage of the game are going to say, I don't want that. I want something real. So they're going to have to figure out a way to be able to not have to label their food, which has happened in other parts of the food industry where they don't have to label that that it's genetically modified. Some still are, but not all. And so what happens when you go to the restaurant to have a burger and they don't have to tell you it's lab-grown meat because technically they're still made from animal cells? The argument will be whether or not they need to label it differently. Now, of course, traditional meat companies are going to say you have to because they're going to be in direct competition. But what happens when it's the traditional meat companies who are investing in these um, alternative meat companies like Tyson? You know, they're not going to necessarily, so if 
because if the lab grown meat, if they're able to make it at a lower price and have a higher profit, then they're not gonna wanna label that meat as lab grown meat. So we are gonna really be in trouble. So my suggestion, what am I gonna do? Well, if you can find a local farm where you know how the meat is being, first of all, you know how the animals are being raised, whether or not they're being raised in sanitary conditions, whether or not um, they are being vaccinated, whether or not they're being given antibiotics, whether or not they're allowed to freely roam and graze, or whether they're being fed corn and stuck in these huge, you know, cages, of, uh, you know, right next to other animals in a very unsanitary way, unfair. I don't want the meat that I eat. I don't want the animals that I'm consuming that I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for the sacrifice of their life in order to provide me and my family with nourishment. But I want their lives to be good. I want them to be able to enjoy their lives. I want them to be able to live a good life and to graze and do the things that they naturally would do. And then when it's time, I am grateful to, to them for that sacrifice. I've watched a lot of videos on people who homestead and I actually love that when they go to um, kill their animals to get meat from them, like they actually feel sad because this was an animal that they loved and that they took care of and that they raised. But they also are grateful to that animal for the sacrifice because they're now able to consume that animal and get nourishment for themselves. But they have a completely different attitude about it than like these typical production meat companies where it's just a slaughterhouse. It's very different. It doesn't have to be cruel. It really doesn't. Um, I think that if people are concerned about the level of cruelty happening in these in these farms, then we can do more to create boundaries around the types of lives that these animals have to live before that before they're brought to slaughter. But to be trying to do something like growing lab or growing lab grown meat as a solution, it's not a solution. It's just an it's just creating a whole other problem. Because eating cancer shouldn't sound like a good idea to anybody. In addition, lab-grown meat takes a lot of energy. It's not going to be a decrease in carbon emissions. It's going to be an increase in carbon emissions if that is the argument that people are going to make. So, and they've actually done studies about this to see is there more carbon being emitted by this process or less. And they found it to be that it, it takes up more carbon. Animal farms are actually a carbon sink is what they say. So a carbon sink that can suck up carbon dioxide. So that's like they're, they're carbon negative. When you look at the full life cycle of the whole process, not just methane emissions from cows burping, but the whole process. Do your research, be able to argue back or fight back or push back against this new agenda that they have because they're gonna try and convince you through really slick marketing that this is just as healthy, just as nutritious, just as safe. And 
I say, make sure you know before you ingest this stuff because you don't want to be, you know, 10 years down the line finding out that, you know, you've got some kind of crazy disease all because of some product that they were using during this production cycle that turns out to have been a danger for human consumption. I always like to throw out my little conspiracy theories and one that I came across for any of you guys who consume the Beyond Meat or the Impossible Burgers or Impossible Chicken or all the impossible stuff that's literally impossible to be just vegetables because really it's not. They try to say it's just vegetables or they, they were able to go into the lab and create heme and then add it to the vegetables. Okay. Here's something interesting that I came across and I want you to do your own research, of course, but it's just something worth considering. I came across something that was, that said that if you look at these different factories that produce this meat, this vegetarian meat alternative, there are always these abortion clinics nearby. So the question is, are they using products from conception or aborted fetal tissue in the production of their food products? I didn't come up with this on my own. This was something that was introduced to me and I was shocked to even, I mean, the, the thought of it just seems inconceivable. But apparently there are, when they, when they say natural flavors, there are thousands and thousands of different ingredients that could be in reference to. So we never quite know exactly what it is in our food if it says natural flavors. But it is possible that those natural flavors are coming from human tissue. Something worth looking into. Is it true or is it false? I don't know. But it's definitely something worth looking into. And remember, my goal here is to shine a light in the darkness. It's time and